up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 5 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where four lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm one of your hosts, Pete Mbessie, joined by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown, the edgelord with a heart of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson, and the guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. How are we doing this week, guys? Good, good. Awesome. On the mend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you guys are... Uh, Regular listeners of the comics, pals, you know that Sean and I have spent uh, about a week apiece very, very sick. So we're here, though. We're gonna we're gonna make it through the show. We're happy to be here. Yes, very much so. I'm happy to be back. Um, I don't know about happy to be here. I'm like, <laughs> be grudging you because I'm doing my court mandated community service. <laughs> Pete, can we address how Andy is a fusion of Kale and Phil? He's got the the like living the gimmick presence of Phil <laughs> with the like strange Just... grump happiness slash yep. pauses of kale slash really likes Riverdale. And <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that, but what's wow. wrong with Riverdale? It's great. Dude. I want to watch Riverdale. There's nothing wrong with it. I was trying to get my girlfriend to watch Riverdale with me yesterday, but she won't do it. Partially because we're watching Better Call Saul, partially because she hates teenage drama, and partially because she hates me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Good. How can you hate teen drama? That's like in my top three genres of anything. I don't like teen drama. Like, it's got (laughs) Zach or Cody as Jughead Jones by way of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Brick, which is all you need to know about why Riverdale's great. Yeah, I wish I really want to know which it is. It's Cole Sprouse, right? I don't it's know which Cole one Sprouse. he is. I don't remember which one he is. Yeah, he's he's Schrodinger's Sprouse in that he's both Zach and Cody until proven otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on point. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're in rare form today. We're gonna we're gonna kick the show off the way we normally do by talking about what we're playing this week. Uh, I'll go first because again, since I was sick, I don't have too much to report. Um, basically, everything I've been playing the last couple weeks: playing some Hots, playing some. Uh, Horizon, working on that Platinum, and then uh, the Overwatch anniversary happened this week, which we're going to talk about when we get to the news, and uh, I have been earning my loot boxes, and in typical me playing Overwatch fashion, I have gotten hot garbage. I've um, I've opened about 10 crates, um, because I've been playing the game like as much as I can, and I've gotten nothing. I've gotten none of the skins for this event, I've gotten no nothing special at all, mostly oh. duplicate sprays and shit. That amount to this currency that I can't use for anything. It's awesome. Pete. So. And you wonder why I don't play Overwatch. <laughs> Listen, Overwatch is a really fun game that has a bad, bad loot system. Straight up. On the other like, hand, I opened my, like, free box for the event and got the Jazzy Lucio skin. You would, you monster. <laughs> I can't get anything. I still don't even have a freaking May skin. <laughs> I don't Poor know, Overwatch. Pete. Why do you do this to me? Why do you do this? They me? want your money. Just just pay them. Come on. Pay them. I won't do it. I won't do it. I've never bought a loot box in Overwatch. I will never buy a loot box in Overwatch. Well, then you're never going to get those skins. <laughs> yeah, you're damn right. <laughs> so that's why I'm literally just playing and grinding out boxes, hoping that I'll get enough duplicates to cover the last couple hundred I need in gold to buy the May skin outright, and then I'll just be whatever. Do you know what you just described to me? Uh, Like... An 80-year-old person at a casino doing, the, like, the quarter machines. Like, one day it's going to pay out. <laughs> I'm playing nickel slots. Exactly. <laughs> it's a sad they life. They call him Petey Nickel Slots and Bessie. 
So that's that's it for me. What about you? What about you guys? Uh, so I've also been sick. I have found time for uh, Heroes of the Storm pretty infrequently, but it's been it's still fun. I'm still enjoying it. Can't get enough. Uh, played some Hero League. That didn't go well, but <laughs> primarily because my team was horrible. Um, so there's that. Um, I actually got a lot of free characters this week, which was pretty cool from loot boxes. <laughs> so I am lucky. Um, See, unlike Overwatch, Heroes of the Storm treats me real well with loot boxes. I get all kinds of cool skins and stuff yeah, there. Yeah, they treat yeah, you right? very well. Yeah. Uh, I I raided even though I was in horrible condition. Um, my raid members were questioning whether I was going to die or not. I didn't die. I'm still here. And we still haven't killed the boss. But maybe tomorrow. Uh, what else? Before I came here, actually, I was playing Donkey Kong Country. I'm still trying to beat that game. Oh, oh nice. nice. I've never never uh, beaten that before. Uh, Dude, you have so many like classical Nintendo gaps like that. That's awesome. Because I just never had those consoles. So yeah. Yeah. like now I'm trying to, you know... I actually had the uh, well. I bought Donkey Kong on the Virtual Console on the Wii, but I just couldn't beat it. It was too hard. Uh, so I'm trying again. It's going Donkey well. Donkey Kong Country is a tough game. Yeah, very tough. Um, that that's it for me. I'm I'm actually gonna buy Horizon. You guys have convinced me through you know being on this show. I wanted to get it uh, when they showed it at E3 last year, and I was looking forward to it. But then when it came out, I was like, you know what? I don't have time. Pete, you really sold me. I'm going to pick that up. I can't wait yes. to get Injustice back. I'm looking forward to that. So a lot of, a lot of gaming stuff on the horizon for me. Ah. Oh, nice. Oh, golf clap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's awesome. I, uh, I would love to have someone else to talk to about that game because I'm just so into it. You know, like the fact that I'm still playing it is yeah. definitely a testament to the fact of how much I like it because like. I could be playing Zelda, but I'm still just playing Horizon because I love it so much. Uh, speaking of speaking of injustice, I do want to ask, <laughs> what what's up? You guys still still have my copy? Have you played it? What's been going on? I have not played it. I haven't had a chance. And Pete's been sick. Yeah, you skipped out on it. I I've been playing it a little bit by myself, and then me and Andy have been over at our friend Jared's house. I think two other times since the game came out. So we've been playing it a good amount. Um, as far as fighting games go. Awesome. And I like it a lot. I mean, like, Injustice is, you know, it, it feels a lot like Mortal Kombat, but it's a little, I don't know, the characters feel a little heavier, you know? Yes. Like, not even that they move slower, but that, yep. like, there's more weight behind their hits, you know? Yep. That, like, it it has this very deliberate movement to it. Um, and I'm just having a lot of fun with it, man. You know, like, I, I really love Supergirl. Well, if you, if you still enjoy it, um, you should, you know, you should find the time, maybe pick up a copy. That way we can all play together online. Yeah, that would be, definitely be cool. Um, I, I definitely want to try to maybe snag a copy of it once it goes up on sale. Because, yeah. like, I'm I'm really waiting for, I would love for them to do a sale of both the original Injustice and this one. Because I want to play through the story mode of the first game before I get through this one. I'll give you my copy. Oh, shit. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I really like what injustice does to like feel comic booky mm -hmm. if that makes sense like the animations all feel really good for the characters yeah absolutely very authentic 
Yeah, very authentic. Like, I love how Harley is goofy and flowy and everything Batman does feels heavy and just stuff like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally, yeah. I think even the way that, like, characters that can fly have a little bit more dash potential and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of little things that make it feel right. Yeah. All I remember is I got to play with a cat and that's awesome. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Dexter, right, is his name? I guess. I played the game for, like, two hours at most, so... (laughs) Jared said, hey, there's a cat. You'd like him. I'm like, you're right. He's Doomsday with a cat. Awesome. This makes me happy. <laughs> At least he played, he reminded me of, like, Doomsday from the first game when I, he just kind of rushes in and smashes. Oh, Atrocitus, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the red guy. Yeah, the red, uh, sure. <laughs> I really <laughs> don't know guy. DC. Dude. Uh, I know, like, you know, Batman. And there you go. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, Atrocitus is such a, like, the atrocitus Dexter combo is, like, such the perfect Thompson pick, though. It's a Red Lantern guy who has napalm for blood, oh, vomits so heat attacks. Oh my has god! Has a little cat sidekick. I didn't know he had napalm blood. That's so... that's all the Red Lanterns. That's yeah, so fucking once you get cool. the once you get a Red Lantern ring, all your blood gets replaced with napalm. Oh, that's so fucking cool. Okay. And if you ever take the ring off, you explode. That's so cool. <laughs> Holy yeah, shit, Red dude. Lanterns are pretty fucking badass. <laughs> wow. Damn. Uh, all right. Well. <laughs> on that note <laughs> if you take the ring off you explode this is like some kind of reverse Sauron shit um I guess I'll go next for games I've been playing uh cause I don't know let's see I have a few now uh do you guys remember Command and Conquer because that shit was on sale a couple weeks ago and I got around to it again so Command and Conquer 3 Command and Conquer 3's expansion Kane's Wrath uh Red Alert 3 and then the expansion <laughs> what is it like Yuri, so I don't know. That was that was Red Alert Two. Yuri's Revenge. Yeah. yeah. This is like another name with a Japanese psychic on the front, so it's very like Yuri's Revenge feel to it. But whatever that one was, I played. Um, Battlegrounds again. Player knows Battlegrounds. If you guys remember that from the last couple podcasts, that's still a hit. Yeah. Um, uh, Endless Space. I picked up again just because like I might as well try it with my new mem- uh, new memory and all that because like last computer just didn't have enough RAM for it. Um, that's a another four X kind of Civ game, but in space and you do have like a little bit of control over like the the combat there's phases and you can like mess around with the ships and all that so it's it's more of like a in-depth kind of 4x game for combat at least and cool that's space stuff you know that how that works um big one though that i really a think spaceive you... thompson's yeah. playing a spaceive what a shock wow <laughs> but there's one i really think you guys will like here sanctuary rpg black edition i got it was like 80 cents it's an ascii rpg and like just the beginning of it alone took like five six minutes just to make a character because there's like six uh six or seven classes right thinking all right sure i'll just pick a class then size of your character like small medium large all that shit uh then races then backgrounds then there's like 12 fucking spells for the mage alone just to like start the game up um i didn't even like get past maybe 10 minutes of it but I was, like, already, like, so happy with the character creator, I just figured, like, I had to give this game a shout-out for, like, 80 cents. Or, cool. I think it's, like, cool. originally a dollar, so wow. get that shit. Oh, if it's originally a dollar, I can't buy it if it's not on sale. It's, like, too rich for my blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I picked up uh, Elder Scrolls Legends again. I used to play the shit out of that, and I talk about it on uh, the Slack cast whenever I was on. And it's been it's been, like, maybe a month since I played that game. Uh, just in time to like finish out the the month and get the uh, bonus card for jumping up like two ranks last night because I was flooring noobs at like four a.m. So <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> um, 
obviously Heroes of the Storm. That's I think a weekly thing forever now. And yes, uh, I'm sure I'm missing something else. Oh yeah, Warhammer Forty Thousand Redicide. It's basically chess with Warhammer and a couple interesting little side mechanics you can have added to the game. Um, some kind of like it's like chess pieces with RPG mechanics. So that's fun. Um, I think that's it. I know that's like a lot. So now. Is that just a game, or is that based on a tabletop thing as well? Because um, I know they do a lot of stuff like that. Like, uh, Blood Bowl is like that. Yeah, where that's definitely... It's like a game based on football, but it's also Warhammer rules, but it's also a tabletop yeah. game. Uh, Regicide may be a game. I'm not aware of that, but it's always mentioned in the books. That's, like, what people play with, like, you know, they're just like, oh, we got to practice our minds. Let's play a game of Regicide, brother. So, like... Okay, so it's like it's like Gwent. It's like an in-world Yeah, it's definitely game. an in-world thing. It may have a physical thing that I'm not aware of. Cool. But cool. there you go. All right, so what about you, Andy? Um, so a shocker to anyone who's listened to any episode of this podcast, I played Persona this week. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, yeah. Um I didn't know you like JRPGs. Yeah, right? Like what? I played Persona and Fire Emblem almost exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> I played a couple games of Overwatch to try and grind out a couple boxes. Um was rusty at Overwatch, lost my first games and said, fuck it. I'm going to go back to high school. (laughs) (laughs) And then I hit 60 hours in Persona, um, according to my save file. So not counting the like five or six hours I've lost because I forgot to save and whatnot. Um, I got to say, though, Persona and what I didn't realize until I was saying that just now, Persona is one of the few games I've played that like. I've lost five or six hours to and gone back and been like, well, fuck, I guess I got to do that again and not, well, guess I'm never playing this game. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. Yeah. That's the easiest way to, to really like make me lose interest in playing something. Yeah. It's like, it's my own fault too, but I will just never pick up most games. If I forget to save and lose a bunch of progress, it's like, well, sorry game, but Andy is sorry. Just one question. Is, Is fire emblem worth picking up? I really like Fire Emblem. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend picking up Echoes if you haven't played the series before. Why? Um, because it's a like a weirdly faithful remake of Fire Emblem 2 for the NES, which uh, was part of a long line of the sequel to beloved Nintendo franchises being really weird and like the black sheep of the series. So it does a bunch of stuff that the rest of the games don't. It has uh, dungeon crawling, which is um, not a feature in any other Fire Emblem game. It has, like, just the way the mechanics work are a little different. Like, um, to cast spells, instead of just casting a spell, you need to, like, pay your own health to do it. Oh. Yeah. Everyone's Gul'dan. Yeah. That sounds like a ridiculous tabletop RPG. Everyone is Gul'dan. That sounds like an awesome <laughs> punk band. It's like the next hit punk band of 2017. Everyone's Gul'dan. Lol, hit That's punk cool. band in 2017. Yeah. Lol, hit punk band that writes music exclusively about Blizzard games. Dude, hey, it could happen. There is a there is a band that only makes songs about Blizzard games. I'm sure. I'm sure. It has to be. But are they a hit punk band, Sean? <laughs> they're, well, they're like a metal band, but... That sounds appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, what is it? I, Ozzy um, told me, there's like a, there's a whole genre of, of metal called quest metal. So Oh yeah, I that, love that, that shit. That sounds about I right. I listen to that all the it's time. Like, it's like Dragon Force is like quest metal, right? No, I literally listen to quest metal like all the time. 
You would. Yeah. <laughs> Thompson, actual Viking. <laughs> um, can we start a new genre, Pete? Uh, mashing that up with hip-hop and be a tribe called Quest Metal? <laughs> That's so fucking cool. <laughs> yes! 1,000 times yes. Oh my god. Alright, so, um... That's that's wrapped it up for what we played this week, right? Um, I think Andy yes. only mentioned Persona. Oh, I st- I I played Fire, Fire Emblem, Emblem, but oh, it's, yeah. it's Fire Emblem. I'm making my way through it, but it's like it's very much my handheld side piece right now. And I picked up Snake Pass too and played that for Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, I played it for like an hour. It's fun. Um Yeah. That's been kind of my handheld side piece between that and Mario Kart. It's just like every once in a while I pick it up and just jam out a level. Oh yeah. Super low stress. But then it becomes very high stress, and I love that about it. I like. I haven't gotten to the high stress parts of it yet. I've gotten to the part where a bird tells me, like, you know, you need to do this, and it's like, well, thanks, bird. I didn't figure that out. <laughs> anyway, there you go. All right, so that's gonna wrap it up for what we're playing this week. Uh, and now we've got a little bit of reader mail. So um, last week uh, for our meat and potatoes, we talked about uh, Sonic Zonas. We asked you guys, you pals at home, to send in your favorite Sonic Zonas that you could find on Google. We got a couple of them that we are going to link to down below, so if you want to check those out, uh, we've got one from Kale and one from Phil over on the Comics Pals, so definitely go check those out and get a laugh out of them. Uh, and then if you didn't send one in, feel free to send it in. Maybe we'll throw it in next week. Oh my god, are we going to turn into a Sonic Sona podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, I love that. That was that was the so most quick, concise, no. to the point, <laughs> stopping I've ever heard. <laughs> Just instantly, No. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree, though. That's my sentiment. You got it out faster than I could even think it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but happening. we do have uh, we do have another uh, piece of reader mail this time from a uh, friend of the show, Matt Murphy, over from the Longbox Podcast, who writes in and says, "Pals, I've gotten back into gaming this year with games like Until Dawn, Overwatch, and Horizon Zero Dawn, but I want to get back to my true gaming passion: mobile games. He means handheld games." I have a 3DS and Pokemon Moon, but I'm interested in exploring the console further. Any game recommendations for an out-of-touch mobile Nintendo fan? Yours untruly, Matthew Murphy. So he's lying to us? <laughs> <laughs> untruly. I don't actually want 3DS recommendations. I would like you to tell me games to buy on the PlayStation Vita. <laughs> Persona, um, so Persona 4, 4 Golden. Golden. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, so um, that means it's time for the random question of the week! Oh my god, my voice. <laughs> I felt my throat constrict halfway through that. <coughs> oh god. Okay, That's so. That's rough. Andy, as what I would say is our resident 3DS expert, oh, what, do yeah. you, what, what do you got for him? You um, kick us off. What I got is if you're looking for mobile games, Candy Crush is good, Fire Emblem Heroes is fun. <laughs> um... <laughs> But as a real answer, for the 3DS, uh, let's see. If you're into Pokemon, I'd check out uh, Bravely Default for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Um, it's a, a full-fledged Final Fantasy experience on a handheld twice. Um, but don't pick up Bravely <laughs> Second. It's not very good. Yeah. Um, it has a great combat system. Like oh, a really yeah. fun turn-based system where you can kind of like... Uh, the two mechanics are called Bravely or Default, and you can, like, affect how many turns you take at a time. It's really unique and a lot of fun. Yeah, cool it's story. like you can, um, you can front load a battle if you see, you know, I can't one-round this guy, but if all my guys just all-out attack for four turns, I can do kill him. And you can just take those four turns, but then the guy you're fighting gets four turns. It's cool. Right. 
Um, I would check out Fire Emblem Awakening. It's a great introduction to one of my favorite series um, in what was supposed to be like it's, you know, big farewell because Nintendo said, if this game doesn't sell, we're killing it. And then they expected it to die. And now it's like a core franchise for Nintendo because, man, does Nintendo follow their whims? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other other stuff. I mean, there's a couple things like if you're feeling nostalgic, uh, the ports of Star Fox 64, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask are all, I would say, excellent, like probably the definitive way to play those games at this point. Um, Link Between Worlds is another phenomenal oh, yeah, Zelda Link experience. Between Worlds is fucking tight. Uh, Super Mario 3D Land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That game is one. Uh, that's one of the better Mario games in the last couple of years, honestly. I think. Oh yeah, I have um, a lot of fun with it. Um, and its new game plus mode is awesome too. Oh my god, it's like it's so hard. Yeah, it gets punishingly fucking difficult. But that was one of my favorite games of 2014. Um, you got what a couple of Monster got? Hunters on on the 3DS that I liked. They're pretty good. Oh yeah, Monster Hunter Four was really good. Uh, Generations, um, I think, last one that came out. That's yeah, the best one for totally sure. Well, one. in my my opinion, at least. Um, um, if you're into Pokemon, it's worth doubling back for Pokemon X and Y. I think if you didn't play them, those are pretty good games. I like the decks; they had a lot of good Pokemon. How do you feel about ORAS? Um, I like ORAS, but I think it's unessential. Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Sorry. Yeah, for those of you who don't know. Shouldn't right. just um, be dropping, like, weird acronyms? Acronyms, yeah. You got it. Um, yeah, they, I mean, again, if you're a Pokemon fan and you're feeling nostalgic and you want to go back, definitely they're worth picking up. But I wouldn't say that they're... Like, if you're only going to play two Pokemon games, play the new ones. You know, play X and Y and Sun and Moon um, and see what they have to offer. If you're feeling even more nostalgic, you can go down the route of Castlevanias, because they're pretty fun, but I don't think there's any on, like, the 3DS. Like, they were all DS versions at that point. So yeah, they're a little the bit old now. the 3DS can play them if you miss the DS, Yeah, no, you know. They, can, they can play them, but... Yeah, I mean, you do... Yeah, there are plenty of options in the DS library that are worth going back to, too. Um, and then I would say, like, explore the uh, the downloadable stuff, too, because the eShop offerings are really excellent. They have a lot of really great classic Nintendo games that, if you haven't played, are definitely worth picking up. Um, and then I, I'm trying to think of any other, like, 3DS exclusives that are really worth shouting out. Uh, if you're into, like, the big meaty JRPGs, I really love, uh, Shimigami Tensei 4. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm. that's one. Mm-hmm. That's totally, yeah, that's another, like, really seminal 3DS series. Yeah. There's, uh, three also, or not three, there's another one on there, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's 4 Apocalypse, which is a sequel to one of the endings of 4, which is kind of weird, but <laughs> whatever. Mm. There's a couple of Resident Evils. Um, oh, yeah. Resident Evil uh, Revelations started as a 3DS title, and that's really good. Yeah, and then it ended up getting ported to, like, it got, PlayStation and Xbox because it was so good, yeah, right? Yeah, it got ported to everything, and then the sequel was, like, a full-fledged, like, Resident Evil Revelations 2 was just a console game, and people were right. pissed about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can check that one out, too, if you're a Resident Evil fan, Matt. Um, I would also say if you're into, like, um, you know, sim games, anything like that, Animal Crossing New Leaf is probably the best in the Animal Crossing series. Animal Crossing seems like a series that, like, should have started as a handheld, but, like, we didn't have handhelds that could run Animal Crossing in 2001. Right. Yeah. You know, it was like it was a thing that needed to be on the N64 slash GameCube first. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely say that it's it's pretty at home on the 3DS, and I think it's going to be real at home on the Switch when they eventually get around to announcing the next one. Um, so that I mean, that's a lot to chew on. I'm sure that there are some games that we're forgetting. The 3DS has a vast library that is 
mostly really good. Luigi's Mansion um, 2. Luigi's Mansion 2. Oh, Luigi's yeah, Mansion Luigi's Mansion 2. Mansion 2. Um, That's crazy. There's a Luigi's Mansion 2? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's good. It's good. It, um, it does away with the, like, Luigi just being in one mansion, exploring this giant house feel in favor of, like, level-based puzzling, which I like a little better. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, I forget his name, but the professor from the first game calls you up and is like, I have to go investigate all these mansions because a ghost stole the moon. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Sounds about right. Also, uh, I I think if, you, if you're a Pokemon fan... For the nostalgia, you should go get Pokemon Blue. I don't know if any. I don't. I don't think I heard you guys say about say that. But it's on the uh, eShop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red, blue, Pokemon and yellow blue. are all available for yeah. five dollars oh, really? a piece. Yeah, that yeah. is cool. I'm probably gonna get that. Actually, I didn't know that. That's yep. awesome. They're, they're a lot harder than I remembered. They really are. Yeah, um, they're way harder than most of the other Pokemon games in the series. And um, the other thing is that's cool about them is you can transfer the Pokemon with Pokebank to your Sun and Moon copy. So any of the Pokemon you get in red, blue, and yellow on your 3DS are usable in the modern games as well. Damn. So that hopefully gave you a lot to chew on there, Matt. Um, if you get through all these picks and you want some more recommendations, write in again. Uh, and if you, listeners, want to hear your questions right on the air, you want to send us a random question of the week, you want to talk about any of the news items that we have every week, anything like that, you can send us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's the comics with an S, pals at gmail.com, and we will read them on the air. Thank you so much for writing in, Matt. Hope that helps. All right, so I'm on our Facebook page with the news real quick, and I just want to let you know that my girlfriend Mary just sent me a BuzzFeed quiz. Build an ice cream sundae, and we'll reveal which Pokemon professor you are. Are are you going to build an ice cream sundae to see Um, what kind of professor you are now? I'm not going to, like, build an ice cream sundae on the show to see what kind of professor you are, but I am going to send a link to it in the Skype chat and shout it out on the podcast, because that's the most ridiculous BuzzFeed quiz I've ever seen. (laughs) I don't even know how that would work. Well, you see, different flavors of ice cream are congruative to different professors' Pokemons of stuff. <laughs> you know, that's about how it sounded to me. Wow. All right, BuzzFeed. Good good, good stuff. Yeah. Um. All right. So I guess that means it's time for... The news! The news! We're talking about the news! The news! The news! We're talking about the news! All right. So we've got seven items on the news this week. Uh, as we called out last episode, the Overwatch anniversary event is now in full swing. And we, oh, and by we, I mean me and Andy, love the new set of skins. Um, you know, so go play Overwatch now. Get them while you can. It's going to be running until uh, about halfway through June. So you've got about two weeks, I think. It's June 12th, I think, is when the event ends. So hey, uh, go check them out. Which ones do you specifically like? All the ones you've gained from the uh, loot boxes you got? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, no, specifically, <laughs> I'm a really big fan of the May skin and the Diva skin. I'd really like to get oh, the two of them God, if the I can Diva manage it. great. The yeah, like it's like a classic, like uh, like pinup nineteen fifties esque diva, and I I have the uh, emote, you know, when she wins for play of the game, where she like lays backwards on the robot, and I was like, that would look so good with that skin. I need it, but I will probably not get it because I am unlucky, and Blizzard is a harsh mistress. <laughs> Can't have all the things. I'm really really disappointed with the May skin though, because she's Beekeeper May. And it looks great, but her gun still shoots ice and not bees. I know. And that would be so perfect. Well, they can't infringe on Dr. Bees. 
Dude, it would be so perfect. She would literally be the Dr. V's skin. She would have a gun that just shoots bees. And just like, I don't know, think about, think about how great her ultimate would be if instead of throwing the ice pack, it was just like a little bumblebee. <laughs> I love that. Or she shoots like honey out of the gun instead, you know, like uh, beeswax and honey. That would actually work. Yeah, yeah that would work. Right? Sticky. That would actually make sense, too, yeah. because like it, it freezes you, so. Her gun is just a bee, like a... actually, squeezing yeah. the ass of was... me. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how bees make honey, but, you know, for this game, it might work. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so moving right along. Item number two on the list is we know a lot more about Far Cry 5 now. And I'm going to say it right now. I was wrong, and Andy was right. Not just right. Super right. Super right. Yeah, no. Uh, So... If you guys listened in on last week's show, we talked about how uh, we got some rumors about Far Cry 5. Uh, We knew it was going to be set in Montana, and I was super skeptical that it was going to be taking place in the present day. Andy proposed a uh, fictional scenario where it could be like a religious cult on a big compound, and it seems that is exactly what we're going to be getting. So thanks to some promotional material and a full trailer, which we will link to down below with the rest of our news items, released by Ubisoft, we now know Far Cry 5 will take place in modern-day Montana in the fictional Hope County, which has seemingly been overtaken by, overtaken by a militant Christian cult. So we've also learned that the game's campaign will be fully playable in online co-op mode, which is really cool. Um, players will for the first time be able to choose their character's gender and skin tone, although Ubisoft hasn't yet confirmed if there's, like, a full character customization tool. Uh, and then Ubisoft also announced they would be bringing back the map editor that was seen in Far Cry 2, 3, and 4, but was absent in Far Cry Primal, saying that players will be able to use the map editor to, quote, create and play an infinite amount of new playgrounds, and that new features for the editor will, quote, add new dimension to the maps that people create. Uh, multiple versions of the game are going to be available at retail, including a $90 gold edition, which includes the game season pass, despite the fact that there's no information about what that pass will actually include. Uh, and then physical versions of the same gold edition for PS4 and Xbox One will come with a steelbook case and cost an additional $10, making them a whopping 100 bucks at retail. Uh, Ubisoft has also said that people who buy Far Cry 5 on PS4 will receive unspecified extra content for free at launch. Um, but it won't be exclusive. So if you're playing it on PC or Xbox, you'll be able to get that same content, but you'll have to obtain it through the Ubisoft Club, which is uh, the publisher's rewards program, which gives you credits for completing things uh, within a game. So you'll be able to get it with in-game currency, but you will have to earn it. Um, And then we did also get a confirmation on a release date, which is that Far Cry 5 is currently set for release on February 27th, 2018. Oh, that's interesting. So to unpack here. First thing I have to get off my chest, uh, the moment you start telling me that they got a DLC package included, making it 90 bucks, and they don't tell you what's in there, it just reminds me of Evolve, and I, I don't understand like why companies think it's okay to be like spend more money on shit that you haven't even seen. It's like going to a Kickstarter, and they're just like, I have a thought in the shower today, and I'm not telling you what it is, but I want some money for it, and then we'll talk about what I'm doing. And It doesn't make sense. I have a question. What's worse? that they offer you a season pass and don't tell you what's in it because they don't know <laughs> or that they offer you a season pass and they tell you what's in it which means that there's stuff that they could give you when the game drops but they won't because they have a season pass well no 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 no. that's really like we're we're conflating a lot of things here like them not like saying what's in a season pass that's pretty standard at this point many games announce season passes without content um, but a season pass isn't the same thing as like day one DLC. 
Because you get a season pass with the promise that you'll get all DLC that ever comes out versus, you know, whatever is coming out on day one. But they do have day one DLC that you can get as, like, a pre-order bonus or for buying this deluxe edition. So it's like, you know, there's, like, a a few different SKUs here because there's three different versions of the game. There's the vanilla one, the deluxe, and the gold. That includes the season pass. So... I don't know why anyone would buy that. Like, why would you buy a $100 copy of a game to get a season pass when you don't know what the DLC is going to be? But people will do it. Like, that's the thing. Especially if, like, the physical stuff it comes with is just, like, a steelbook. You know? (laughs) Like, yeah, it's like, it would be different if it was, like, you know, when you pre-ordered Horizon Zero Dawn, you could get, like, an Aloy statue. Yeah, like, like, I pre-order, like, stuff I'm really hyped for. I'll pre-order the special edition to get, like, the weird goodies and... I got the Fire Emblem special edition for 60 bucks that came with an art book, a soundtrack, and a couple pins of NES sprites that I don't know why they exist, but like, hey. Uh, it reminds me of when Jared got, I think, Halo 3's like legendary thing, got that sweet diorama. Or no, was it Yeah, like was it Reach? The, the helmet. Yeah. Reach. Oh, no, no, yeah, the, Reach was the one with the, the Spartan Yeah, but it statues. had like four Spartans, though on it yeah which is great because like that's for like you could you could go to a a hobby shop or something you know and get one of those for like probably the same price that it came with as the bonus you know what i mean like all four of them are collector's items and shit and like it's worth it and uh the only thing that like kind of like grounds my gears a a smidge here is like saying that the ps4 version gets unspecified extra content for free at launch that is basically day one dlc you know like they're i know it's not exclusive Eh. but i mean but it it's there though you know but it's but it's free, like. Well, then, like, why not just package it with the game? What's the point? Why do it on like separate? Because it? it's to, it's it's business, man. It's to incentivize people to go buy the game on PS4 because Sony made a deal with them. <sighs> and it's not like you can't get it. You know, it's like I don't know. It's like it, if you want to play it on Xbox or PC, just unlock the stuff by getting achievements. Some of the some of it just kind of I guess rubs me the wrong way. It, it maybe it's just tickling my funny bone a little bit too much, but I don't know. Doesn't sit well. I mean, like, <laughs> n- none of this is, like, really, like, well, it's I all kind of par for the course, you know? I know like, it is, this but is, like, you could demand more from something that you care about, you know? I don't know, like, Blizzard treats their fans pretty well. Um, this is literally not any different than that, dude. Like, oh, so uh, Blizzard gives you free stuff in-game all the time, too. So, oh, so Heroes of the Storm isn't a ripoff because I didn't buy it and immediately unlock all the content? No, I didn't say that. You're really jumping that out of proportion. I'm saying things like, okay, you play For Honor, and for some reason, the fucking servers still don't work. That's an Ubisoft game. You get an Assassin's Creed every freaking year, and not one of them was good past a certain point. We all talked about that. And I care about Far Cry, and I just don't want to see it get effed up. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Something about Ubisoft rubs me the wrong way, and and it kind of always has. I don't know why. Well, they do, but... like, lie a lot, Um, you know, like... Jim Sterling does covers of this all the time. Um, yeah, but like, I don't, I don't think that like a season pass and no, no, I'm not PlayStation exclusive content is anything that says anything about the quality of Far Cry as a game. I'm just saying it's signs that I get worried when I see things happening that I'm kind of like, oh man, in the past I've waved those before and like I've been burned. That's all. I mean, I get that. I mean, I don't know. It's like I feel like they're like the scenarios you're talking about are so different. You know, it's just Ubisoft. I don't trust. It's you know what I mean. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. It's, so, it's, it's weird to me, man, because, like, uh, Ubisoft has definitely done some unsavory things in the past, but I, I honestly have a bit of respect for them that I don't give to some of the other big publishers because, like, I'll never forget when it was uh, their president, uh, I can never, Yves v. Gilmont, I don't know how to speak French, um, here's the part of the show where Pete mispronounces someone's name, <laughs> uh, 
so you know he famously said that like we'll stop making an assassin's creed every year when you stop buying them yeah <laughs> and it's like whoa but it's like that's real you know man it's like if, if you don't like season passes if you don't want to spend a hundred dollars on far cry don't buy it you know like buy the plain version buy the regular version at launch and don't use the you know don't get the fucking day I mean, one that's like DLC. disingenuous though people bought it because they thought it would be good and they they didn't get what they expected they only bought it because they thought maybe this will be the one that brings the series back you know like that's why they bought it that's your fault though like again like if you, you shouldn't have you, to but like you know i don't know you should no, like you should like you should speak with your wallet man like if you don't like the quality of a game don't buy it you know like if you haven't enjoyed an assassin's creed game why are you still shoveling the shit down your throat and spending 60 bucks for it i'm not but a lot of people aren't as savvy and they just go oh shit i used to play this game maybe i'll get the game that came out three games later and they just buy it and find out it was a turd you know like they they yeah, don't like that's that's their fault <sighs> you know it's like you there's so many tools as a consumer to protect yourself from buying something shitty yeah yeah i know i don't know i don't think it's i don't think it's right to place the blame on the consumer for the company putting out a bad game you should you should be focused on making your games high quality and if not putting out a game every year just because you want to put out a game every year is the way to do it then do that i think you should have more respect for your for for your consumers than that and not just look at them as consumers but people who you know put their hard-earned money down to play your games that's a respect issue no question but again i think like we're assuming a lot of things on behalf of them like up until Assassin's Creed Unity, every Assassin's Creed game was critically praised well and made a lot of money. Why wouldn't they make another one every year? Like, it wasn't until they made the one shitty one that we were all like, okay, like, the bubble finally burst. You know? It's not just that. There was, like, four handheld uh, versions of it. There was, like, you know, spinoffs and spinoffs, and it was a lot bigger than just the mainline titles that they pumped out, you know? There was a lot of different Assassin's Creed things that branched out and like honestly i think the series ended up having like 25 something games when it was all done you know like across all the different platforms and all the other shit and like honestly most of them are shit so <clears throat> it's a really large thing they milked <laughs> and that's fine if you want to milk something yeah, but like their fans kept buying them that's the problem i know you know and it's like like you 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 speak with your wallet as a consumer and like if you keep buying day one dlc and buying unfinished broken games you're telling them that that's okay. And, like, I'm not saying that they're, like, blameless there, but, like, I think we all also as consumers have to take a certain level of responsibility that if a game isn't good, like, right? Like, we all, like, Bravely Default, but when Bravely Second was bad, we didn't buy it, right? That's speaking with your wallet. I know, it makes sense. I, I just, I agree with more of Sean's point. I, I like, just, I prefer the respect of it, you know? I mean, I don't disagree with your <laughs> point. I'm just no, saying, no, like, no. I think that... There's a certain amount of responsibility on our end, too. Yeah, I feel know? like I'm responsible. I just look out for the little guy who, who like, may not know better, you know? I guess, yeah. And, I mean, like, that's the thing, though, right? Is, like, I when you have so many resources to find reviews and stuff and people's opinions on games, like, you know, it's pretty easy to find out what people think about something before you go out and shell out your hard-earned money on it. People are really misinformed Trump got into office. I mean, <laughs> there's... <you know? laughs> I don't care. You have all the internet you want, but it doesn't change a thing if someone can't critically put it together. You know, like you will get duped because there is always an idiot out there, and I just like don't want to take advantage, like people to take advantage of that. I, I don't know. <laughs> we, we got into this really long, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, we got super time. in the weeds about this. Uh, so to 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 scale it back real quick, um, any thoughts on uh on this on any of this new content on this setting as you know 
how how do we feel about the uh these people as antagonists i'm super excited i love killing cults and destroying shit it's it's far cry's great for like giving you that power and i'm really excited to see it happen in america like i like to see their take on like what would happen because they're not like an american company right so they are gonna have a little bit of you know i don't know like there's definitely gonna be a cultural thing created into it that you might miss by not being like part of that culture right so i'm just interested to see like whenever J- japan makes like an anime and they have like an american guy is always wearing a friggin' baseball cap like lifting weights drinking you know a soda and like being like yeah bro and like it's just so stereotypical and i'm interested to see like their take on something like an american cult which seems pretty good from the trailer like they seem like they nailed it so <laughs> that's a really interesting point i hadn't thought about that yeah um to get like a french perspective on uh this uniquely american kind of thing i really like that the whole game's gonna be playable in co-op um yeah that's really exciting you're gonna like too i'm super excited for that um i don't know like what my schedule is gonna be like but i would like if y'all were picking it up on pc i would seriously consider like picking it up at the same time doing it as a group that'd be fun yeah well um i wouldn't mind that was something I always really wanted in, in Far Cry 3, was to have, like, a, a co-op mode where I could, like, go in and, like, clean out, like, the, uh, you know, the, like, encampments and stuff, like, in a group setting. Oh, yeah. You know, like, even just to play the gameplay in two-player, even if you're not, like, going through the story, you know, would be fun. Um, I also, like, there's been so much weird hype and backlash and anti-backlash about, like, the, like, pretty politicized nature of the setting. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think it's just kind of funny to see, like, so many people, so many people pissed off about this. I think it's funny how Far Cry is, like, perpetually a lightning rod for this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like every time they put out this first promotional image that ends up being the box cover, there is a, people freak the fuck out. Like, the original Far Cry, there was, like, or not the original, but Far Cry 3, there was, like, the thing of the dude, like, buried up to his neck or whatever, I don't remember exactly what the controversy was around that, but I remember there being some drama about it. And then the second game, there was, like, the lead main guy, and he had this, like, you know, guy at his knees or whatever, and they're like, oh, he looks white, and it seems like there's this whole weird, like, white subjugation narrative going on here. And then now people are like, oh, like, this is an anti-conservative <laughs> message, and all this stuff, and it's just like, all, all, all right, guys, like, let's yeah, just... Like... <laughs> People talk well, about it's a video game. People talking about that. People who are getting way too excited to be like, "Finally, I can go murder millions of white people." Yeah, <laughs> or like, "Yes, I get to mow Christians to the ground." Finally, <laughs> hey, they they never said they were Christian. They could be they could be Jewish fundamentalists inside of America taking over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't well, even finish that one. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say there is a crucifix. So, I, well, wait, wait, wait. it's like their version of a crucifix. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the other thing that's interesting too is uh, in the imagery, like there's this symbol that they keep showing that it's like um, it's a German military symbol, and like on in the original, there's like the American flag and all the stars have been replaced with this, and then they have the flag, um, this like military German flag or whatever, flying above the American flag which is a, a real faux pas. You're not supposed to fly anything above the American flag. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm imagining that there's going to be some kind of racial component in it as well with those, um, you know, those like little nods or whatever. 
I don't know. Uh, I'm super excited for this. I mean, like, I'm really glad it's coming out in 2018. I was really <laughs> afraid it was going to come out this fall and be like, cool, there's going to be another game contending for my game of the year. Yeah. But uh, I'm really excited for this to be a Q1 game for 2018. It's going to be awesome. I might actually buy this. I hope you do, man. That's a bold call, um, to putting it as a Q1 game. Because, like, I know it's not on the net, or I know it's not until the next item on our news list, but, like, they said it as a Q1 game and officially announced that after Red Dead got pushed to Q1. There is a thing there that will protect them from this, which we'll talk about in the next item. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that's a good spot for it, honestly. You know, and we've been talking a lot about it, how increasingly Q1 is like the new fall, you know? Like that is the new time to put out your game that didn't make it for the fall lineup or that you don't want to put out against your Call of Duties or, you know, Mario Odyssey this year or whatever, you know? Um, and Uncharted came out and did really well in that position last year. True. Horizon did the same thing this year. Zelda did the same thing this year. Even Resident Evil did the same thing this year. So I think this is a great place for Far Cry to come out and take all the headlines, you know? Yeah, okay. So, Sean, as someone who hasn't played Far Cry, you said you, you might pick this one up? Yeah, so first of all, I anything we talk about on this show i kind of get motivated to maybe jump into i'll um, give you my copy of far cry 4 if you want to check it out yeah i would like to play it because i don't you know I, I don't know what the game plays like or anything so i'd, I'd like so to good. see it's an open world first person shooter cool yeah i mean and then the the promotional art looks really really good uh i like that there's drama surrounding that this that kind of that kind of thing always gets me going um and I think it's really funny that people are so mad, and that makes me want to buy the game. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Free marketing pissed off people. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, come on, right? Like you guys said that every other game took place in some foreign country, and there was a white dude who went and killed everybody. Yes, right. Absolutely. So yeah. Well, the last game you're Asian, but yeah. But you're still you're still American in Far Cry Four, right? Yes. So what's the big deal? Yeah, I don't, I don't get why this is such a, you know, and then every Call of Duty game, you're killing unnamed uh, Middle Easterns or Russians or something. Like, you know, it's about damn time. I don't see a problem. <laughs> air no, air yeah, quotes, seriously. the bad guys you're always killing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, get over it, dude. It, uh, it's cool because, I mean, one of the, mild spoiler for Far Cry 3, but uh, one of the best scenes in Far Cry 3 is your character... Uh, is charged with going and burning down a marijuana farm and it's just like you get a flamethrower and there's just like this thing in the background it's like they play this like dubstep song it's like skrillex and one of bob marley's kids it's like a fucking amazing moment like that and then like seeing this setup it reminds me of that scene that was in mafia 3 where you can apparently just like firebomb a kkk meeting and yeah, it's like what? what like that's gonna be awesome like are you kidding me i can't <laughs> wait to like be just slaughtering like these crazy <laughs> religious extremists it's gonna be fun like sorry yeah. get over it like yeah. if you if you're sympathizing with christian extremists like right exactly they're not they're not conservatives that's not the yeah. same thing they're right they're extreme like this is like this is this is like you being like, wow, it's like really not cool for you to talk shit about the the you know the Westover Baptist Church. <laughs> the Seventh Day Adventists. Get over it. <laughs> the Seventh Day Adventists are gonna get you. Um, <laughs> I want to like throw back real quick. I I mentioned earlier I was playing Wolfenstein: The New Order, and that game is so fucking satisfying for what you guys are exactly explaining. Like stabbing Nazis in the neck with like even a stealth kill or any bullets and all that shit. Just 
every single one that goes down, you're like, yeah, you motherfucker! And you just, it feels so, <laughs> so good. They made that game amazing. Like, and I can't wait to have that experience with what exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's like, now I get to kill religious, like, cults too. Awesome, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for Far Cry 5. Definitely my most anticipated um, game of 2018. Did, did Far Cry 3 and 4 have mod support? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. Because... I only played them on the console, so... It, yeah, I always I always play them on Xbox or PlayStation. If Far Cry Five has mod support on Steam, and I can like mod it in, so the random like you know assorted white guys have the voices of the cast of Duck Dynasty, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might be on something. Enough, man, I remember when I when I shared the promotional image. Uh, friend of the show matt murphy from the long box he said the exact same thing he was like i love this duck dynasty vibe they're going for here <laughs> so um duck crynasty <laughs> <laughs> oh that was good all right so moving right along uh as andy teased out before item number three on the list is that originally set out to release this fall red dead redemption 2 has now been delayed until spring 2018 surprising no one yeah, right. Surprising no one who's a Rockstar fan. Uh, Rockstar has a tendency to pub, uh, delay their games. They did the exact same thing with Grand Theft Auto 4 and 5 and Red Dead 1. So no big no big shock there. But uh quote from Rockstar says, This outlaw epic set across the vast and unforgiving American heartland will be the first Rockstar game created from the ground up for the latest generation of console hardware. And some extra time is necessary to ensure that we can deliver the best experience possible for our fans. Uh, to make up for the delay, Rockstar has said that there will be more details about the game this summer and that they have released a selection of new screenshots, which we have linked to down below if you want to go check them out for yourself. So, you know, no big shock. We've been predicting that this game was going to get delayed uh, for, you know, for the last couple of weeks. Um, it's fine. Take your time. Yeah, they'll, ma- they'll make it good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like Red Dead Red Dead 2 is going to be a bona fide classic uh, unless Rockstar somehow breaks their streak of making exceptional games. So... Take all the time you need. Like, Red Dead 1's one of my favorite games of all time. I'm willing to wait for Red Dead 2. You know, you just said Far Cry 5 was your most anticipated game of 2018. Mm. Yeah, mm. I, it's tough. But that's the thing, right? It's like, I don't know if this game's actually going to come out in 2018. So <laughs> I can still I can still say that until we have a release date for it. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, to, to just touch on something that Andy pointed out before, um, the one thing we do know about, like, kind of when the game's going to come out is that uh, it's been pushed to Rockstar's next fiscal year, which means it won't come out until later than April 2018. Mm. So earliest it could be would be like a spring, uh, early summer kind of game. So they're probably a couple of months apart. Yeah, I think it'll probably be in the fall. Either way, I, you know, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter if it was the same time as Far Cry 5. I think because they're different games, they would sell just as much pretty much, you know. Maybe not in the first week, I think Far- but because you know money for people, but yeah, yeah, I think I think Far Cry would probably be the one that would suffer, though. Yeah, just because, between the like, two, I love I love Far Cry, but Far Cry isn't an event in the same way that uh, a new Rockstar game is. That's true, and like yeah. there's such a huge gap between Rockstar games. Yeah, you know, yeah. like the last game they put out was, was uh, fucking Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, which now is old if you think about it. It's like four years old almost. Yeah, yeah. so. By the time this game com- comes out, they'll be at least four or five years apart from their last release. So, uh, whereas we've had two Far Cry games since we had GTA. Yeah. Oh well. Um. So yeah, I, this is gonna be good though. I mean, I I think uh, them taking more time is definitely not a problem. You know, do what they gotta do. I've actually never played Red Dead One, which is like a, you know, sin. 
I wow. Sean, then, do you own an X? Do you own an Xbox 360? Okay, here's 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 where it gets worse. <laughs> oh God, I own the game. Oh. I've owned it since it came out. I bought it day one. Never what played it. It's Sean? actually in the wrapper. <laughs> open it. Go open it. Podcast is over. We're doing a podcast. No, it's over. You're gonna go play this game right now. <laughs> and then play the Zombie Nightmare DLC expansion because it's really good too. It is. Um, not nearly as good as the original, but yeah, but it makes it's a really fun zombie game. Like really, yeah, really fun. fun. Um, but yeah, Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> so you own that and Mass Effect, and you haven't played either of them. Yep. You're wounding me, sir. You <laughs> wound me. <laughs> I own so the deep. Last of Us. It's in a wrapper. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> that one cuts me Dude. the deepest, honestly. Like, he hasn't played it, so, but, you know, it's just me. As much as I want you to buy Horizon, go play these games! Dude, this summer, man, this summer, this we're gonna beat all these games. Sean beats all the games. We're gonna make we're gonna make an event this summer where we're gonna make, like, a summer gaming list, and you're gonna have to, we're gonna have to make, like, a, a list of games that we're all gonna play. And Let's do it. You're doing every one of the gaps. Let's do it. <laughs> this is how we make the I'm Patreon ready. goals. It's like for every game Sean beats, we get another donation. <laughs> it's another goal. It's like he beats uh, he beats The Last of Us. Oh, shit. We, we can actually up the, the ante now. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right. So item number four on the list is a Bioware writer has confirmed that a new Dragon Age game is in development because apparently this is the week made for Pete. Nice. <laughs> so... In an interview with Eurogamer, Alexis Kennedy, who is the former co-founder of Sunless Sea developer Fail Better Games, has confirmed that the next game he is working on, or excuse me, that the game he announced he was working on with Bioware back in September is in fact the next entry in the Dragon Age series. So while Bioware has yet to officially announce the next entry in the series, EA, uh, an EA representative has told Polygon, quote, it's a pleasure having Alexis involved with Bioware. We have no information to share regarding Dragon Age at this time. So, yeah, in this interview, he confirmed he was working on the new Dragon Age title, said he was working on some kind of, like, deeper lore stuff that hadn't been explored yet that was a little tangentially related to the game. Um, and though EA didn't, you know, they didn't go out of their way to then confirm Dragon Age, it, this statement definitely, you know, they're kind of trying to PR their way around it, but clearly a Dragon Age game is in development here. So, um, obviously we don't know too much, but I'm excited about this. I love Dragon Age. The series has definitely had its ups and downs, but um, I would love to see a real, you know, solid return to form for the for the franchise and have it come out strong with a new entry. What's the best Dragon Age game? Origins, which is the first one. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely the first one. Uh, the expansion for it is fun, but it's it's weird. It raises the level cap, and if you beat the first game, it's like not a challenge because you're just so over fucking powered at that point. The second yeah. game is good, but it's different in very like critical ways from the first one. Namely, the combat they they took a lot of notes, and that doesn't make for a bad game. But the story is like not the first one, so they're really like, almost two different games in the way that they they fundamentally like play out. You know, that's kind of the problem with Dragon Age as a whole. Is like it's a series that doesn't really know quite what it is because like the first game's combat is like a tactical it's, like mmo it's kind of like a dnd like feel to it like you set up and you're like positioning matters and all that and, and it's more like even though it's like real time it does pause in between and it does kind of feel like you're taking turns and stuff whereas the second one's just like go for it, action combat yeah you know yeah the second one's like a hack and slash game a little bit more and then like the third one is kind of a marriage of those two things 
but has like open worlds elements to it that really really kneecap it because it makes it super bloated and that's really the problem is like the first dragon age game the combat isn't very good the second one the story is rushed and there aren't enough diversity of settings and then the third game it's an overcorrection for all was wrong with the second one so like they tried to make it this big open world experience but it's like empty and like you don't get a lot for exploring like it's not satisfying but if you just play the parts of the game that are like the main story it's awesome you know um i think the unifying feature of all dragon age games though is that they have really good cast of characters and the setting is really interesting also i don't think dragon age one or or origin sorry can be the best dragon age game because it doesn't have varic in it Mm. like it's probably the best as a game but like like you said, the Dragon Age games are about the characters, and for my money, Varric is like head and shoulders above everybody else in the Dragon Age. I do Age love him canon. a lot. Yeah, um, that's the thing though. It's like I honestly think there's 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 a character I think you can make that case for in every one of the games. Like I love Varric, but I think you could argue that Dorian, Iron Bull, or um, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Your best friend from the first game, Alistair, Alistair are, are are all characters that I think reach that level of like i love this guy he's my best friend <laughs> i think we can all find a character like that we'd all identify like having a friend with and you know and that's like the great thing about them the rosters are huge because you know there's so many fucking characters to pick from and there's gotta be one in there that you'll like you know yeah that you'll connect with i'm yeah. always kind of surprised they didn't just like add a race of lizard people and put garris in these games too <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I like Garrus is popular, but I don't, I don't think he's the best Mass Effect character. So, yeah, but you know, he is the ultimate best friend, though. He, he is, is the a good friend. Best friend. Yeah, he's a space best friend. That's the best kind you can want. He's the best space husbando, also. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like to me, Sean, like that's kind of the unifying thing about Bioware games that makes them so special is just how how good the characters are. You know, or how connected you get to the group. You know, your squad. You know, and how much you're like, like, I really like feel connected to this group of characters. I've never felt more connected to a group of characters than in Knights of the Old Republic. Then you would like so, Mass Effect and Dragon would, Age a lot. Yeah, you would love both of those series. You really got to put those on your summer gaming list. Because like well, they take the, that character connection and just bring it to a whole new level. I'm going to I'm going to play Mass Effect. I've got like the trilogy or whatever. And I'm going to play I'm going to play Dragon Age one. Those are my goals. Nice. Cool. And Horizon nice. and Red Dead and The Last of Us. Yeah, those are my goals. Okay, good. Good shit. Sean, are you living in a bunker for the summer? Like, <laughs> yes. Hey, you can join me. <laughs> I do that every summer. Sweet. All right, so uh, we've got three more items on the list, but they're all gonna kind of lead us into our meat and potatoes. We're talking about um, adaptions of video games. So, uh, Resident Evil's film franchise is set for a reboot, according to Variety who is reporting that the German uh, production company Constantin Film is set to produce an original six-movie franchise. Um, so this is the same company that has owned the rights and produced all of the installments in the Resident Evil franchise so far, but uh, the franchise was set to end uh, with uh, this past year's Resident Evil The Final Chapter, which grossed like an insane amount of money because it made... like just It was like the first time that the series had been exposed in Japan. Or not Japan, excuse me, China. China. Um, so it made a ton of money. Um, so obviously they're, they're doubling back and they're going to do another series of Resident Evil movies. Um, but details such as like the reboots director who would star in it, um, or how it would fit into the overall narrative of the franchise, 
uh, is so far being kept under wraps. But Martin, Martin Moskowitz, who's the chairman of the board at Constantin, said to Variety at the Keynes Film Festival that a reboot is in development and uh, that we'd have more information about it coming up. So I'm not like a huge Resident Evil fan, but, you know, this is like not particularly surprising. Like these movies have made a ton of money and this last one made more than the last like, two, I think, combined. So makes sense. I, I really, really want really good Resident Evil movies. I saw the the very first one. I actually rewatched it maybe a year ago because I got obsessed with Resident Evil for some reason. And I I loved it, even though it wasn't I mean it wasn't a great film or anything, but I loved it for some reason. It's fine. Yeah. Uh I I would love to get a serious um series of films with really solid acting you could even make a show based on resident evil walking dead does great resident evil has a whole conspiracy angle that would play well on television that could roll out over multiple seasons i think it would be fantastic and i really would love to see i don't trust this uh this production company but i would love to see them you know take it seriously put some muscle behind it and get a great film out of resident evil yeah i would love to see like a smaller resident evil story i think like the movies feel a little bit too actiony and bombastic and yeah. i think like a small quiet atmospheric resident evil movie yes. could be really cool so have you guys watched all of them or no no Not i have all of them i think i've seen like the first two or three i think it's like three where it takes a hard left from anything related to the games other than like there's an yeah. Umbrella Corporation, and they made zombies, and also there's a guy named Wesker. Okay, so right. Andy's absolutely right. Number three is where the movie just goes off the fucking rails, and it hits worldwide infection, so everything's a fucking desert for some reason. Uh, the third, fourth, and was this the sixth movie that came out? Was the last one, right? It was a six-movie franchise, right? Um, I think so, yeah. The third and fourth movies were bad. Uh, the first two are good. The third and fourth are really bad. But the fifth one is something really special. I'm not going to lie. Like, the fifth movie... Uh, ties together the whole really weird story and it has that atmospheric experience you're talking about especially in the beginning it's the first time I watched like you know because at that point I had seen the other four Um, it's the first time I watched a Resident Evil movie and legitimately got like a couple scares out of me because that beginning was actually fucking haunting Um, cool it's it's like yeah it's a couple of jump scares but it's good it's done very well and it has an explanation for a lot of bullshit and the last movie wasn't that good, but the fifth one's something to watch. I mean, I recommend it, so. You'd love to check it out. Yeah, just skip to that one, honestly, because you could skip to that one and watch it, and it doesn't have to matter, you know, for the other ones. Yeah, so, I mean, something to keep an eye on if you're a fan of the films. Um, you know, we'll have more to talk about in the months, years to come, I'm sure. So, keep your eyes uh, open on that one. Uh, so, the next item on the list is another one that seems literally tailored specifically for me uh but spider-man homecoming's tom holland is set to play a young nathan drake in the upcoming uncharted movie so deadline is reporting that spider-man actor tom holland has signed on to play a young version of nathan drake first seen in the flashback sequences in uncharted 3 deadline is also reporting that the film will focus entirely on this younger drake specifically how he met his best friend and mentor victor sully sullivan uh so the decision apparently came from sony pictures chief Tom Rothman, who after seeing a final cut of Holland's performance in Spider-Man Homecoming, decided to change the entire direction of the Uncharted movie specifically so that they could cast Holland. Wow. Uh, so as a result, the movie's getting uh, a total rewrite, uh, but the director, Sean Levy, is still attached to the project. 
uh, which has been in development at Sony since 2008. Holy yeah. shit, though. That's big to, like, rewrite a whole movie for one guy. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, this movie's been in development hell for forever. You know, yeah. it's like, they, it, like they've like they had a bunch of different actors attached to it. For a while, it was like Mark Wahlberg was going to be the lead, um, a bunch of these other people. And, um, you know, I think this is its second or third director. But uh, it sounds like it's actually getting on track now. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, because... it's big to have the direction. You know, if someone sees a performance and says, I can write a script around that guy's performance as Spider-Man, like, yeah, that's fucking right. good. You know, that's a good sign for right. the movie. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, Tom Rothman, who is the one who, like, made this decision, is apparently, like, super involved in it now because he was like, this is what we're doing. So he, like, picked uh, he picked a new screenwriter and is like, we're going to write a new script based specifically around this vision and, like, you know, try to develop it out from there. That seems like such a, like, studio executive kind of move. Yeah, it's it's weird, but I'm actually really optimistic about it. Like, I, ho- I hope it's good. I hope everything's good. Um, but... That just, like, for a movie that's been in development hell for this long, to just, like, for this guy to come in and now get super involved and be like, we're changing everything, uh, that doesn't suggest to me that it will be good. Oh. <laughs> so, I- I'm with you, but only if the movie was, like, further in development, you know? Because, like, the fact that it's been in, like, pre-production for, like, four years, like, leads me to believe they probably weren't very far on it, you know? Like, they didn't have a leading actor anymore up until now. So it's like, obviously, they're not, like, shooting the movie or, like, working on anything. So if they just scrap everything they've done up until now and start fresh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I really like the idea of them focusing on young Nathan Drake instead of rehashing the original Uncharted, you know, for the movie. Like, my only trepidation here is that, like, we won't have Elena in the first movie, and Elena is, like, you know, one of the three main characters in Uncharted. Um, but I think that the, like, pseudo-father-son relationship between Drake and Sully is, like, really interesting and is, like, a huge emotional core to the series. And um, I think telling a new story that is, like, you know, them getting together and, like, doing the first job they ever did or something like that is something we've never seen before. And it's something I'd actually be interested in seeing play out as opposed to let's watch the events of the game that I've played yeah. happen. Yeah, there you go. I don't really think that works. You know, like, I how, like how can they make a movie that does what Uncharted already does better when I already played through it and felt it? You know, it's like, I like the idea that they might just try to capture the spirit of Uncharted and focus on what is the most important part of Uncharted, which is the characters. I don't need to see them go to Shambhala or fight Lazarevich or any of that kind of shit. Like, I, I'm fine with new stories. Number one question. How much climbing is going to be in the movie? <laughs> not enough. Probably not much. There'll probably be like a climbing montage. Mm, hard pass. Doesn't capture the <laughs> core of what I like about Uncharted. <laughs> Holding up and pressing X when I stop climbing. Not enough climbing. Zero out of ten. Uh, but yeah, so I'm personally excited for this movie in a way I was not ever before. Because this actually sounds like it might be interesting. So, all right, last item on the news before we transition into our meat and potatoes is we got our first trailer for Netflix's upcoming Castlevania show, which debuts on July 7th, and it looks pretty fucking cool. Honestly, the intro of the trailer was the coolest part to me. Like, It so was. Like, the trailer might as well have just been like, this is the art style we're going with. You know what Castlevania is. But, like, putting a Netflix cartridge into an NES and, like, flipping through, that was cool. It was so cool, yeah. Um... 
Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's really all we needed, right? Yeah. I I just like gonna say, like, since since we were on the Slackcast and first talked about this, my dick has been diamonds, and seeing this trailer, just like, I don't know, this is so good. I'm so happy. It's everything I want and more already. So, please, please, Netflix. <laughs> this show is something I think we should actually be like actively excited for. I am. The people involved yeah. with it are super fucking talented. They're all like a bunch of them are like core gamers who love Castlevania. It's a it's a animated show, not live action, which is a huge step in the right direction. I think uh, it's way easier to do that anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, like this looks fucking great, man. Yeah, it's geared for the older audience too. I mean, Castlevania is a you know a subject that involves like vampires and death and blood and all that. So it's a little hard to make it like more childreny, but they like actively said, you know, fuck it, we're just gonna make it gory and bloody, yeah. you know. I think that makes sense too, right? That they would appeal to the that older crowd because those are the people that care about Castlevania. Younger Ooh. kids don't have a relationship to Castlevania. <laughs> Castlevania was a big deal in the eighties. Symphony then, of the like, Night, baby. <laughs> kind of mattered in the nineties when we were kids, you know? Yeah. It's still um, around. It's, so yeah. it's still around kind of. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's still kicking around. I mean, I this might honestly bring it back. This might renew interest in the, the fucking series, you know, and maybe we'll actually get a Castlevania game again. Maybe. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, I, please, I'm all for it. But yeah, so that's going to take us into our meme potatoes, which is, what is the deal? With iceberg lettuce. God damn it, you're messing up my Jerry Seinfeld, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> it actually was really yeah, good. I, I, so I wanted to ask you guys, why do you think they're so hard to nail? You know, like, so taking a look at, um, you know, you go on Wikipedia, list of films based on video games, mm-hmm. and uh, not one movie that they have listed even breaks a 50% rating on Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic. <laughs> What about Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat's 58. What does? Mortal Kombat, Mortal Com- 58. Mortal Kombat's 58. No way, really? Oh, shit. All right. Well, that's because Mortal Kombat's literally the best video game movie ever made. Yep. So. Uh, and a big part of that is dangerous. because it's the best so bad it's good example you can point to. <laughs> yeah, because it's super, like, I, I don't know, because it's self-aware, it, it's not ashamed of its source material, and it recognizes how goofy and silly it is. And it's just like, let's just have some fun with this and make a B-movie about Kung Fu. <laughs> okay. And like, that's fun. It works. It plays. So, starting um, on the list, the first one, Super Mario Brothers, and we're not off to a strong start with that. But I do want to say, there are a lot of good video game movies out there. I think they get a really harsh rep, and things like Super Mario Brothers started that rep. <laughs> so, <laughs> look past the first couple ones. Like, Personally, I really like Wing Commander, which came out in 1999 because I played them and it like stuck to the lore of the game, which back on DOS when it had like those FMV cutscenes, that was fucking cool as hell. You know, it actually had like that really stuck to the story, you know, like it was neat. That deep ass Wing Commander lore. Dude, it's deep <laughs> as fuck to kill Rathier, these like cat tiger people and there's like four different games and shit and it's like fucking rad and like Pokemon's in this list. Uh, the first movie specifically, like, come on, if you don't like the first Pokemon movie, you're heartless. Um, yeah, no, the Pokemon movies are solid. Yeah, there's a couple Resident I, Evils. The Pokemon movies are solid. Um, yeah. I want to... I challenge you to go back, like, try and strip yourself of all your, like, love of Pokemon or nostalgia for the anime and try and see Pokemon the first movie as solid. I would um, like to try that. That'd be Pokemon great. the movie 2000 is, like, not very good either, but it's a little bit better. That's my favorite one. Wait, is that the one with Entei? No, no that's okay. the third one. No. The third one is really good. That shit's Again, crazy sad. Like, Dude, Andy, oh, come on. Oh, man. I remember that one. Yeah. Oh, Entei oh, and the, oh, and the oh, daughter. Oh, yes. so oh, yes. fucking Jesus, yeah. That movie's amazing. 
we got Mortal Kombat, obviously. I I really do like Mortal yeah. Kombat. Even Annihilation, I had a blast watching it just because it, like Pete said, it's self-aware at that point. Uh, it's not the best, but like, hey, I enjoyed it. Um, Final Fantasy of Spirits Within was really cool for its time. Um, this story was like kind of whatever, but the graphics looked really cool. <laughs> uh, let's see. Does anyone remember Alone in the Dark? Oh, God. The, the movie? Yeah, that was bad. Yep. Um, Doom had that really cool, like, five-minute scene of, the of I think, uh, was The Rock doing it when he ran around the first rock, person? yeah. That should have been Doom, the whole movie. Doom is worth watching because you get to watch The Rock fight demons. Or you go on, like, YouTube and get that one good scene and watch that and feel like you watched the whole movie. Because <coughs> that should have been the whole movie. Um, I actually liked Silent Hill for the first one, at least. The Silent Hill movies are solid, yeah. The, uh, or at least the first one is good. The first one's good, yeah. We'll leave it there. I don't remember the second one, but the first one you was You don't good. remember it because it's bad. <laughs> uh, there's a Far Cry movie? Oh, yeah, it's so, bad. It's, it, like, yeah, that's, the worst. That's one of those... It's one of those ooball movies. Oh. oh, okay, I see. Yeah. I see. So, yeah, for those of you who don't know, there's, like, an entire... Like, a ton of game or movies based on really well-known game properties made by this german director ubol who is famous for taking advantage of the german government to like you get these weird tax breaks for making movies in germany or whatever so we can afford to buy the rights to these movies and make dog shit terrible movies and make a profit yeah and then make another one like apparently for this far cry it grossed like seven hundred fifty thousand, but that's probably more money than anyone needs so (laughs) Yeah, because he gets most of the money from the government, right. the tax breaks or whatever, so it's like, whatever. Hey, Ratchet and Clank was, was great. I enjoyed the hell out of that with you guys. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was great, but I liked it. Oh, it was it. great. Um, I had on Netflix, enjoyed I like, really rewatched it, actually. And then Sean and Thompson were both fans of Warcraft yeah. as well. Yes. And then we had Assassin's Creed, which... Hey, uh, actually pretty good. I, really? I, I don't know. Like, I've, I had, only, I've only heard really bad things about it. Like, it's not the best, but I had fun watching it. And I think, like... I honestly think Michael Fassbender is just an amazing actor in, like, almost every possible way. I don't think, like, he could do something wrong. Like, not to get too off topic, but if you did see the new Alien, there's... He's the android from Prometheus, and there's another android, and it's him. And he's, like, in a scene with himself, talking to himself, and it's just majestic. It's like two Fassbenders meet, and what happens is beautiful. Um, Fassbender x Fassbender. Hey, literally, Um, that is what we're treading on, so... (laughs) So, so now that we've we've kind of talked about what some of the the video game movies were that worked for us, uh, I wanted to ask you guys, like, which properties do you think tend to lend themselves to it better? And do you think that we'll ever see video game movies reach the same level of penetration or quality um, that we've seen stuff like comic book movies or you know other adaptions, right? Or you know, do you think this is just kind of another attempt at? Uh, you know, cashing in on franchises and, you know, youth culture. So I think comic book movies have succeeded in large part because people who grew up playing them or watching or, my God, reading them uh, became the people who were ultimately making them. And that's been positive because they really cared about these franchises. If you look at the comic book movies that came out in the 90s, especially, you know, the early 90s, there were horrible uh you didn't get a good one really until blade um and of course you know batman and, and that stuff the, the the first two uh from 89 and then now 92 i think um so there there's an abundance of really bad movies that scream cash in uh 
And I think vid- for video games, it's largely been the same. Studios have never really taken them that seriously because you play them, you know. And I think that there's a there's a kind of a look at them that they're for children and stuff like that, that they're not really something to be taken seriously. And I think that that plays a lot into it. You look at the Super Mario movie, and it's just goofy. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't even try to be anything related to the game. It just, just kind of, it's it's whatever. Um, that movie's also just like a hot fucking yeah. mess. It's like it's famously a, a camel made made by a terrible committee. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that video games don't lend themselves well to movies. We've seen what a lot of video games can do, especially over the last ten years, uh, with the the storytelling of these games. Uh, and and actually, it's very hard to tell a good story in a video game because you have to craft it around the player's ability to play. So if you strip that and can just make a movie and you have top-notch writers behind it, that seems to make sense for putting out an amazing film. But if you look at this list, most of these are not... They're not... Uh, they're not movies based on properties that necessarily have top-notch storytelling to begin with so maybe if you took a lat the last of us or bioshock and you made that movie and you put a legitimate director behind it with a studio that cares yeah that's a great movie give it a budget that's a great movie could be good yeah the (laughs) the uncharted movie that's coming out that's probably going to be good because you've got a, a, a great uh, young actor attached, a studio. I mean, whatever, you know, whatever you say about Tom Rothman and how he, how involved he's getting, he gives a damn. And a lot of times these studios don't care. So I think that has the chance to be successful. And I think that that's what's missing from this list is a lot of these were hot-shotted. Uh, the studios didn't care. They had small budgets. All of those things matter. I was going to say almost the complete opposite of Sean there. I think the the best game movies that we like might end up seeing like are going to be the ones that aren't the story games, you know, like you know, it's something like the last of us or uncharted. If I want to know that story, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to get a, like a, you know, more detailed, bigger story out of it than two and a half hours of, you know, sit down, watch what's probably going to be like, you know, half decent action movie. Go home. Yeah, or like the greatest hits of yeah, like the greatest a, a much larger narrative. larger narrative. The story beats stripped down. It's not going to be satisfying on a like to me as a fan. Maybe it'll get people to like go back and play the games, but it like it won't meaningfully expand on the narrative in any way. Whereas something like the video game adaptation in the pipeline I'm most excited for is the friggin' Rampage movie we're getting next year. Which, like, um, if I remember correctly, stars The Rock, Naomi Harris, and Joe Manginello as the people that turn into the monsters. Which is like, yup, that sounds fun. Yeah. And it's like, I would love to see more of that kind of stuff. Um, like, I love Mortal Kombat movie. The Mortal Kombat movie. I love Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Mortal Kombat movie because it's like it's so big and goofy and everyone clearly doesn't care. But see see there, Andy, I feel like you're talking about something different than what Pete asked us. Pete asked us what what would it take 
and what what genre of game lends itself to a good movie, right? Whereas you're talking about like you love the Street Fighter Mortal Kombat movies because they didn't care and you want a Rampage movie that's going to be fun. And I think that's cool and I love the Mortal Kombat movie, but I wouldn't say it's objectively like a classic film or anything like that. If we're talking about something that we want to be good, I think you separate on some level the need for the the fan who played the game to enjoy it in the same way because you cannot. There's there's it's a totally different experience. And so so like something like BioShock for example, the foundation is there for a good story in any medium because we we already know the story's good. So if you take that and you translate it onto film, yeah, there's some things that are going to be missing. You know, that that's that's par for the course, right? Comic book movies don't get it all don't get it all right and they can't fit it all in. That's not possible. But you get to the core of the story, you try to get the big beats, the things that really matter, and you tell something meaningful through that. And I think that that's where these films need to try to go. But I, but to be fair, I also think that there's room for what you're talking about, like with the rampage. I think that could be really cool too. I just want to say, like, I, I totally agree. But I think what it, it's more like Marvel has like that special sauce of making a, an adaptation while still having enough nods to the original that if someone was a fan, they're like, oh shit, this is great. I like it, and it's a new, fresh take on it. And people who are new to the series get in and and like it too. And I think the video game industry for the movies um, kind of need to hit that middle ground. And I think a lot of games like Bioshock or like anything with like any sort of uh, ambiguous world, like, you know, everything fits with that. Like Last of Us, Half-Life, Bioshock, um, Uncharted, Horizon, like pretty much any game that has open world exploration, like even even Far Cry, right? It, it's you can set it in that world and make a movie around it. I don't think the movie has to, you know, like drive the story of the game forward as long as it stays within the realm of the game like even the tomb raider movie it's like lark yeah angelina jolie's stealing stuff and it's like that i mean i guess because tomb raider is that so you can really loosely play it um but that doesn't mean it's gonna be good so there's like that that like little special sauce that marvel found you know that every movie just kind of comes out good no matter what they do you know and some studio is gonna figure it out um whether it's like having a great actor or having the a good team or just a good writer even it could just be one thing or all of it i don't know but yeah i mean i honestly think if you're passionate about something people will be drawn to it and the uncharted thing you know that's why like when when pete first mentioned that uh that script change i I said wow like i was just like shocked because someone actually cared about it you know and uh that made me really optimistic for it right away uh for something i like really didn't honestly care about and i am a fan of video game movies and i i this is like under my radar until I read or heard that today. I, I don't know, man. I, I think I exist somewhere in between these two, these three arguments that are being put out where like, I honestly, I think video games don't inherently lend themselves to adaptions very well. Um, I think specifically because of the fact that like a lot of video game narratives because I, I feel like you have you have like these two this tale of like two problems here right where you either have something like rampage or angry birds or super mario brothers where it doesn't really have a narrative to be adapted you know like there isn't really a movie to be told in the very very small one minute of of lore and setup that they give you in rampage before you start playing the game 
And I think the problem that I see with video game adaptions is that such a big part of a video game is how it feels and how it plays and how do you translate that to film? How do you translate, like, yeah, sure, you could make a movie starring the Super Mario Brothers, but how do you make a film sequence that accurately captures what it feels like to play a Mario game and is satisfying in that way? Well, you probably don't. And, exactly. Right, you don't. But that's why and, other and again, games work better than that, you know? Like, not everything could be a, a movie. Right, and I think that's true. And, and I think, and I don't even think it's necessarily one or the other. I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, you can't do that, so it can't be a good movie. Because I think you still probably could make a decent movie starring Mario. But it creates, you have a lot of these problems where, like, I think, to Andy's point, right, like, the people that really care about these properties are gamers. I don't think most video games have the cultural cachet that superheroes have. That even if you don't uh, read comic books... I think it's pretty easy to understand and relate to superheroes as characters and their worlds because they're just, they're familiar. They're hero stories. They're, they've existed in our culture for a long time. And, you know, especially if you're in our age demographic, like there were cartoons, there was TV shows, there's movies, there's all these other things that you can experience them through that aren't their original source material that like you can be a Batman fan and not read comics, but you can't be like a Mario fan and not play Mario I don't games. think that's true at all. Of course you can. How? Because you can just you can just like the character. Why can't you just like Mario? Because he's not a character. Like Mario is like such a thinly written character because he's a video game character, and that's kind of the point I'm making. Is like it's it's hard for you to be like, like okay, right? Like you can anyone can commit can connect with the the notion of like Batman lost his parents. He like he suffered a loss. That's a human experience. Mario isn't a human character in that same way. You can project things like heroism and altruism onto him, but they're not inherently written in his story and they're not part of his DNA in that same way because he's just not a character that carries a narrative. And then to take to the other example, you gave something like Bioshock. Um Sure, I think you could probably tell the story of Bioshock as a film. I don't think that would necessarily be a problem. The whole um, rise and fall of Rapture, Andrew Ryan's story, all those things are present and there's a total through line there. But the issue then becomes like there are things that get lost in translation, like you said. You know, like you can't do environmental storytelling in a movie. So like you're not going to be able to have those moments of like finding the audio diaries that fill in all the backstory of what's going on. And it just, it creates a lot of challenges that I think unless you have someone that really knows and loves the source material, it's going to be impossible for them to overcome it. Also, like I think a big problem is that movies are paced like in a way that only really movies and live theater are paced um because they're like shorter self-contained narratives in a way that like i've spent 60 hours playing persona and probably half of that has been spent on story stuff and not like beating up the dungeons and doing that and you know a, a game of thrones season is 10 hours long and that covers half a book and a movie's two hours it's got to tell its own story it's got to introduce its characters it's got to build an arc for them and to take something like Bioshock where you can't do the environmental storytelling and like take something like Bioshock that like a lot of the beauty of it is in the details and the smaller stories around the side. I would love HBO's Bioshock. I don't think I would love Bioshock the feature film. I agree with that too. I think, I think in general video games are, would are something that would be better suited to uh, episodic television than a film. I mean, 
I don't I don't understand why you guys think that a person who comes along cares puts and then puts the effort in to working these things out can't take a property that already has a good story and then translate that story into another medium the the fact that you can't do environmental storytelling doesn't matter because there's other ways to get that information in or you change it so that that information doesn't become necessary there's a lot of ways around that yeah, like, I mean, for the example of a Bioshock movie, you could have flashbacks yeah, like, instead of, you know, yeah. like, instead of the audio diaries, you know, like, the the point of view character who's walking around or whatever could see a thing and then show, oh, this is what it was like in the past. Yeah, there's obviously ways around it, but even that, right? Like, Bioshock has a silent protagonist. So? So, like, so how do you make that? Well, it doesn't have to be about the protagonist. It could be anyone else but him, you know? I think, like, sticking it to... Because it could be about Andrew Ryan or anyone else. It doesn't have to be about the guy who doesn't talk. The playthrough of, of the silent protagonist is just another view from any of the splicers in there. You could be any other viewpoint. You happen to be that one guy, you know? It, like, even if you picked another splicer, then, like, you have to make it a character who has dialogue and someone who can yeah. carry a whole film. So they would and like they would talk. B- but there's not... But who they talk to? Whoever they're talking to. I don't know. I'm not making the movie. I'm just saying, like, someone would figure well, that out. But- I, 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 I get that. But what I'm saying is, like, these are the problems you run into. Like, uh, Bioshock Infinite would definitely play, I think, better as a movie because there's two main characters who talk to each other. But you you would... I mean, yeah, if you want to use those characters. I just think you can make up your own characters as you go. Yeah. I don't think you have to be stuck to all of them. I, I mean, you could you could literally make a movie that doesn't even... Like, that is just a prequel to Bioshock. Yeah. It's all about Andrew Ryan and the fall of Rapture. Yeah, like, exactly. That would be interesting. That's, that's what I mean. It, it could be doesn't have to be those people just because the game did those people you know it could it could be ahead before it could be after rapture is destroyed it could follow one of the little sisters afterward and assume the bad ending or something you know it could be anything it's just as long as it's near that world or like that setting is involved into the background at least you know there could be the year 2050 and someone says like oh shit we found these ruins underneath the water and it's like how the fuck did that happen and like it's a future movie about the past bioshock you know rapture shit i don't know it could be literally anything um but like to side note real quick, the first question you asked, you said like how to or how to make them how to make movies good essentially, and uh, the second part of it, I don't remember the exact wording, uh, but expanding the audience and all that. Um, I think like with comic books, you have a lo- much longer history, obviously, since like Captain America punching Hitler in the face. Uh, there's been generations and generations that passed down, and video games are really like newer in that respect and i think the more yeah, the, it's, a young, it's a young medium yeah the more that it grows and the more people that play it and the more children that get into it i think you will see more popularity in things like video game movies and tv shows and stuff and i think you will see a box office smashed because more people are going to demand something that's really good you know and like the audience will be big enough uh i mean 50 shades of gray got like two movies already and it's getting a third and like no one heard about that until it was a book obviously because it was made up and popped up out of nowhere and became huge. So there could be a game that comes in and just like destiny, you know, like a lot of people fucking love destiny and it's huge. And I thought Warcraft was going to be that movie. Just like from the fact that it's so big, uh, that, yeah, you but know, that's the thing, right? Is like, it wasn't, and neither was Assassin's Creed. No, and, like, I know. Everyone thought that was going to be it too. And... But that's what I mean. But we're getting closer, you know, like they're getting better. It's not Mario brothers anymore. It is movies that are getting better. Thompson. I think you, you made the point. Uh, and this is what I was trying to get at before you look at like Kevin Feige, who has basically spearheaded everything at Marvel, 
this is a guy who grew up loving comics, right? And he's one person. And he's like, what, 50 years old? You know, we are basically like that generation that he's in for games. So, and we're not making films because we're young, right? So (laughs) maybe in 20 years, one of us or, or one of our contemporaries will be the Kevin Feige for games. For, or for, for game shows. Sure. It's just, I don't think we're necessarily there yet. It's still so young, um, you know, and, and people aren't necessarily taking it that seriously. I think Warcraft represents an attempt at taking it seriously. That movie didn't penetrate audiences for its own reasons. And Assassin's Creed, you know, I don't, I, I think it, I, I don't think it looked very good, quite frankly. But, but I think with time, we're going to see that these studios are going to take these uh, properties more seriously if not if not for any other reason than because it's untapped there's money there yeah right um i, I think that's definitely true i think that's why they keep making them is like they see that this is an avenue that's untapped and all it takes is one good one to nail what the formula yep. is or whatever and then we'll see a million of them but i don't know man it's like we keep getting these movies that i think are oh this might be the one this might be the one this and they're just not and people don't like them, and they're not that good. You know, even the be- the best ones are they're fine. Yeah. You know, they're 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 good, not great. You know, like oh, I agree. And, and again, like you're right, we're in our infancy, and we had a bunch of shitty superhero movies before we got Iron Man. You know, or or before we got you know the MCU or whatever. Um, so I, I don't think it's impossible, but I do think that video games have some very unique problems when it comes to adaptions that other mediums don't necessarily have. Um, just because of the way that they tell stories, you know, because the way that story isn't even always that important. Well, Warcraft is a is a particularly good example because the story of Warcraft is extremely important, and totally, yeah, the lore is such a huge part right. of that world. It, so it and it's detailed yes, as fuck. It, it like, lends itself extremely well to an adaptation, and so you ask yourself, okay, well then why didn't it work? Uh, if you put aside the way it looked, because I think the look turned a lot of people off. Um, and you put aside the story because the story doesn't matter since people didn't go see it. You ask yourself, why <laughs> didn't people go into the theater? And a lot of the stuff that I read was, this is a game for nerds. I don't like Warcraft because it's a game that people play sitting in front of their computers in their basements of the pa- of their parents' <laughs> house. And they, right, so yeah. the, the stigma of games in and of themselves in some instances holds this stuff back. And now... You can make the argument that if Warcraft's word of mouth was better, more people would have showed up at the theater. But if you look at the week one uh, numbers, people just didn't turn in. And and you have to ask yourself why. And I think that as we go on and more casual people are playing games and it becomes something that you just do, there will be more opportunities for this stuff to work. Yeah, or again, if we have a, a, a movie that does really penetrate yeah. because like – I didn't see Warcraft. I can't speak to its quality. Um, but the few film critics that I follow regularly are are almost all gamers as well. And none of them liked it either. And they all had this attitude of like, I want to like this movie. It's very clear that like the uh, – I forget the director's name. but Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones, right. It's very clear that Duncan Jones is talented. He cares. He likes this source material. He really tried. It just didn't come together. Like it didn't work. It didn't have – that emotional core that I was looking for or whatever. And like, I think that's, you're, you're, you're right, right? Like if, 
if all those things were a problem, like if people are like, ah, oh, I don't want to go see this fucking nerd movie or whatever, people would have said that about superhero movies too if they weren't good. You know, like if they're all lame and hokey, like no, you said it yourself earlier. There was a there was a connection that people had to superheroes that was inherent and and true, strong true. enough that those initial superhero movies that were good were acceptable. That's true. That's true too. Um, and yeah, I don't think people I don't think people have that relationship to video games unless they're gamers. And I think that's a problem with these adaptions too. Is like to Andy's point earlier. I don't think these adaptions are ever going to speak to gamers. They can't. I think gamers are always. I, gamers are always going to be hypercritical of them. They're always going to prefer the experience they had with a game, unless it's a really fucking exceptional movie. Uh, and so it has to appeal to average audiences, but they don't care. The average audience doesn't give a shit about going to see a World of Warcraft movie or a Warcraft movie. The average audience doesn't care about going to see fucking Doom or whatever. You know, like, that doesn't speak to them. So, like, who are these movies really for then, though? If gamers don't like them and average audiences can't get into them, who do they speak to? They'll they'll speak to casual audiences when they're really good. I hope so. I mean, I don't know, man, because, like, I really wonder because even, like, you, you agreed with me just now that, like, these movies will probably never speak to yeah. gamers. But, like, even comic book fans who pick apart comic book movies, they still go see them and enjoy them. And they speak to them on some level. So, like, I don't know. I, I, I hope we hit a point where... There are properties – the properties that are worth adapting get solid adaptions that we can all enjoy. But I don't know if we'll ever get there. I, I'm confident we'll get there, but I don't know if it's going to be within a timely fashion. <laughs> it could it could be even like a, a decade or two before we see something like you know po- consistently positive. And uh, I'm willing to wait, but you know. Yeah. I, I'm not sure we'll ever get there. I, I don't know if like the – the storytelling mediums media are like sort of you know fundamentally at odds with each other um people who are listening to this podcast audio only which is the only way we release it can't see the thing i did with my hands there on our skype call (laughs) (laughs) that helps illustrate my point as my knuckles bounce off each other um but i would like to see good video game movies i don't think that you know they're necessarily bad but I also think we haven't really seen good video game movies, and I don't know if we will, but it'd be nice. Sure would. All right, so that's going to wrap up this conversation on episode five of the Video Game Pals. If you guys are on YouTube and you like this one, please like it, share it with a friend, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're listening to us on an audio service, podcast, whatever, you know, make sure you go over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating where we are currently a five-star rated podcast, something of which we are very proud um, you know, let us know what you think. Give us your feedback. Send in your random questions of the week. You want to respond to any of the news items we talked about this week? You can send us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's the comics with an S, pals at gmail.com. Uh, or hit us up at the comics pals on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, any of that stuff. Connect with us. You can get any of our personal Twitters in the description down below. And we'll see you guys next week on the video game pals. Bye now. Take care.